Hey there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get into the podcast episode today, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, overwhelmsucks.com. Yes, you did hear that correctly, overwhelmsucks.com. Pick up my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. I know that when you're overwhelmed, the last thing you want to do is read a long report, so I intentionally made this free guide simple to read and most importantly to implement so get your free guide 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com on this episode of from the archives as part of the mark stucheski podcast we're talking to don yeager this episode originally was released on october 12th 2018 that's way back on episode 231 don yeager is an award-winning speaker a New York Times bestselling author and executive coach. He has spoken to many large businesses and conferences on improving company culture and how to stay productive. In addition to co-writing books on important moments in American history, he is also the author of Greatness, The 16 Characteristics of True Champions, which includes Don's interviews with some of the greatest athletes of all time on their habits, routines, and philosophies. Don Yeager, welcome to the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, Mark, thank you very much. And thanks for not asking me to pronounce your last name. <laughs> no, I never require that of my guests, nor do I ask them to do math or science on the podcast. So that's. And then you and I have a future together. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, great. Well, listen, let's just jump right into the deep end. I know that you work with improving com- company culture, and I can imagine that a company culture that is not set up correctly, either by leadership or policies or whatever, is not going to be conducive for productivity. So let's talk about when you go in and talk to businesses on how to improve company culture, what are you looking to give them the, the suggestions you're giving them? Well, I think the uh, the first and most important piece of it is, is, to, is, is to know what you want your culture to be. See, a lot of people just think culture happens, and the truth is it does, right? I mean, it happens by design or default, right? And, and the best teams, the best companies, the best organizations – don't let it happen by accident. They are intentional. They know what they want. They know what they stand for. They know who they're in service of, and they know why it matters. The challenge for most of us is that we can't necessarily really answer all those questions. And if we do, we're far too general in the answers we give, right? We're in service of students. What is that really? Is that that's no, I need to know more like, like put a face for me on who you're in service of. And the closer, the better the, the picture you can draw, the closer you can get to, to having a, that sense of who you matter to, then you start to feel why it matters. And then you start to understand why, your culture matters uh, within your organization. So it's a it, there's there's these yin and yang pieces to it, but uh, the the most important two pieces are having a sense of what you truly stand for, what matters within your organization, uh, why why does the organization matter, and then the second piece is who does it matter to? Is if you can if you can manage to to develop those two pieces, you find yourself creating an environment that people show up wanting to be part of. And that's our goal, right? In any organizational environment is to create an environment, is to create a, 
a workplace or a, a, a team environment where people can't wait to get there as opposed to dread the drive. Interesting. You said something really piqued my interest. You said culture is going to happen whether you make it happen or not. Do you think that some culture problems in the, in the corporate world is because of laziness or because it's always been done a certain way and people have blinders on? Why do you think that is? Well, I think a big piece of it is that you, you have, you have gotten sloppy. You have, you've believed that, you know, well, we're a pretty good place to work. I mean, we get a, anytime we got a job, we get a lot of applicants. So that's all good. We're, we're, we're just fine. We, we really need to, to spend time in this conversation, the truth is your culture gets away from you really quickly as well. And one or two bad hires, and next thing you know, you might be completely out of touch in understanding who it is, what, what, how people are coming to work uh, for you. And so our goal, our job, anytime we're, we're in an opportunity to be engaged with a team is to, is to be direct and to be explicit, to be clear and what we stand for, what matters here, what gets you promoted, what gets you fired. That's your culture. And you can put all kinds of things on the wall. You can have amazing things on your website. But but none of that matters if at the end of the day, that's not what your team believes matters within the organization. So that because your culture is what what they believe, not what not what you post. That's very true. And I also noticed that in a lot of environments, there is toxicity. It only takes one person to have a bad attitude, kind of like a bad apple, and it can affect one person, then two people, then four people, and it just spreads throughout the entire organization. Yeah, no question. Actually, I, I have to tell you, one day I was talking to Steve Kerr from the Golden State Warriors about this, and he said uh, one of the lessons he learned from Phil Jackson, who was his mentor and was the coach of the Chicago Bulls and the L.A. Lakers, was Phil had a, a, a one jerk rule on any team. He said you can have one jerk on any team, especially if they're bringing something of real value to the organization. But the second you get two jerks, they got somebody else to talk to. They got somebody to sit next to when they're not playing. They got somebody to, to whine with and complain with. And so be careful, be careful as you're looking at every addition and subtraction you're making. How are you, how are you tempering the importance of that chemistry to, to eliminate or reduce the possibilities of that toxicity you're referring to? When you talked about the one jerk rule, the one player that came into my mind was not Dennis Rodman, but Tara Owens from the National Football League. I heard this guy's a phenomenal player, but I heard he's like a cancer in the locker room. He's always complaining, moaning, groaning, and as a result, the team, instead of being unified, they'd start doing the uh, in their squabbles. So what would happen is they would just, he'd play for one team for one year and then one other team for another year, and he, he was really talented, but apparently he just couldn't get along with others. Yeah, no, it was, uh, his nickname was, uh, so obviously T.O. was the way people referred to him. But, but his nickname in the league was Team Obliter Obliterator, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that that's what it really stood for. I had not heard that before. That's very interesting. Yeah. No, he was uh, an amazingly gifted athlete who, who believed that there was something about him and his performance that was more important than the team. Well, okay. So now we've established, you know, we talked about a little bit about com company culture. 
When you go into companies and you speak to them, what are some of the suggestions you give them for overcoming uh, their static or their poor company culture? What practical suggestions do you give them how to make that transition? So when we talk about, when I mentioned earlier about the ability to, to have a picture, to draw a picture of who it is we matter to. And, and we matter, every company out there matters to somebody. Uh, it may be an opportunity because our company is successful. We may have the opportunity to do things in the community that might not get done if our company was neither successful nor here, right? If, 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 if we were gone, there may be a piece of the community that's missing. And by that, I mean, there might be something that you're doing with uh, in charity or something that you're doing uh, act actively, not just given money, but actively participating with, uh, with organizations that wouldn't exist if your company did not exist. So that's an important thing to know. The second one is there are places that, that, that our company matters to the people who work here. Do, are we doing things for each other that, that make me feel special about being here? Because I know people around us care. In my little company, we, I, have, I, have, uh, I, have, I have 15 employees. And we, uh, we do a thing every other month. Or we take a Friday afternoon and all of us go and we participate in some activity that is of value or that means something to one of the members of our team. So, for example, one of our guys has a family member who passed away. And as a result of that person passing away, he had signed up to pick up trash on the side of a road, one of those roadside trash things, in memory and honor of this person and his family who'd passed away. And so we took off a Friday afternoon as a team and we all went and walked that roadway and picked up trash. And at the end of the couple of hours of time in the sweltering heat, kind of picking up cigarette butts and, and beer cans and everything else on the way on the way down the road. At the end of that, we all end up at, at, a, at a restaurant right there uh, near the end point of his of the road he he cleaned. And, uh, and and he got to tell us stories about this family member who passed away now. You know what? If you don't believe for a second that on Monday everybody came to work differently because we all knew more about our teammate, but we also kind of showed a little bit of love and respect for each other. It was a pretty cool deal. Mm -hmm. um, but we do that every other month. Important piece. And the final piece is, do you know, can, uh, we try to challenge them to realize, is there a piece, is there some part of your product, something that you're that you are bringing to the marketplace that makes the world a different place, makes the world a better place. And if there is, what do you know about who it is? What would happen to the world if your product didn't exist? If you weren't, if you guys weren't there collectively, what would happen to the world? An example I use a lot is a uh, medical device company out of Minneapolis named Medtronic. Uh, Medtronic makes devices that are implanted in people that keep them alive, diabetes pumps, things like that. And, and they're an enormous company, 40,000 employees. But they do an event every year, the week after Thanksgiving, in which their CEO hosts all their employees and family members at a, at a, at a huge deal in Minneapolis. And during that event, they take one hour and they bring six families to the stage to talk to the employees about how their device is keeping one member of the family alive. And every year, the CEO was telling me, every year, the, uh, you know, some young woman steps up and says, thank you because you... Because what you did, what you promised us is true. My my daddy got to walk me down the aisle this summer, and he said, "You know, imagine, right? How does the audience, how does the room feel about 
delivering on their commitment to make that product at its very best. And it doesn't matter if you're in accounts receivable, janitorial services, doesn't matter where you are, you feel like what we're doing matters. But the interesting thing about that conversation is that Medtronic doesn't actually sell to families. Uh, They sell to hospitals, but the families are the beneficiaries of what they do. So they make the families a part of their conversation so that the team gets we are all here today as part of something bigger than ourselves. And and at our core, that's what we all want to be, right? We all want to be part of something bigger than us. And that's why uh, that's why the best teams are able to be special. Well, obviously, leaders come in a variety of flavors. Do you think that there's a lot of leaders out there who are not empathetic? They They just... They wear the nice suit and tie, but they're disconnected from their workforce. And I mean, this could be a 10-member company or it could be 10,000. You think that uh, plays a part in the uh, the culture of a company? Well, sure it does. If, uh, if, if a leader can't be empathetic, if you cannot understand the challenge of those you're asking to give you their all, even if it's only eight to five, right? If you're saying, hey, all I want is your very best from the time that you walk through the door to the time you leave. Uh, If you can't understand what they're struggling with or what they're challenged with, your ability, frankly, to get the most of them is is severely limited. So, yes, I mean, empathy is one of the most highly desired qualities in a leader if you're trying to pick someone that you're going to go to work for. What are Don Yeager's top couple uh, productivity hacks, whether you tell companies or something that you do yourself, or maybe they're the same things that you, that keep you on track throughout your day as you're working? Well, so one of the most important things I do, and my team laughs about it all the time, I hire people who bring skill sets to the organization that I don't possess. That way I, because I, I know, so first off, I'm pretty self-aware. I know what I do well and I know what I don't. And so I hire people that, that fill the gaps for me. And so probably my greatest productivity gap, my greatest, greatest productivity hack is that I love to communicate with my team around ideas I have that I think they can help me execute on. The challenge is I have more ideas than they have bandwidth to execute so each and every time I come in with some crazy idea of something amazing we can do, some new book, some new product, some new <laughs> something that I can that I know the world is just waiting on me to deliver. Uh, I, I also have a wonderfully empowered team that that isn't just willing to jump in with me, at, but is also willing to, to tell me no and to help me understand, Don, in order for us to do that, we have what what on this list that I'm working on today do you want me to stop doing so I can chase your new crazy idea? So I'm really good at, uh, I think my greatest productivity hack is just having people around me who can execute on things that, that I come up with as crazy ideas, but, but also know how to know how to rein me in. You know, I think that's so important that you empower your team and they have the freedom to tell you, Don, you're, this isn't going to work or this is going to take too much effort or Don, what's most important that we're working on? Because I've seen when I used to work at corporate world, you know, companies, they just give you the task. They don't want it to go both ways with the communication. So if you have a problem, you have two choices. 
just figure it out or quit because the leaders didn't want to hear. Now, granted, this is going back 15, 20 years. Nowadays, you'd probably be have more of a on the pulse than I would. Are leaders more empathetic? Are leaders more likely to do what you're doing and listen to their team and say, this doesn't make any sense or this is not part of our mission? Or is it 50-50 of the old style, the new style? Got overwhelmed? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making and the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at OverwhelmSucks.com. I think in order to last anymore, you um, you have to be uh, you have to be able to you you have to recognize that um, that, 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 that you have to be able to ask great questions and listen. I mean, I'm a huge friend and partner and fan of John Maxwell. And, and John is so marvelous at that whole concept of leaders ask the best questions and they don't, you know, they, they don't know all the answers. Right. And, and so if that model of leadership is yours or you just, you used to telling people what to do. And if you told them, then they had, if they didn't like it, they could leave. That just, I, I honestly, I, especially with an unemployment rate under 4%. I can't imagine anybody staying around if that's the way you let them, right? I agree. I was, uh, I'm right right now listening to a book on Audible called Never Split the Difference. It's about a hostage negotiator teaching you how you could take his principles into the corporate environment. One of the things he says is one of the critical skills he learned is active listening. He says, we listen, we have a tendency to listen passively, but you've got to really listen actively to really understand not just what the words are saying, but the feeling and the meanings behind them. And if you're not listening actively, you're going to miss so much of a communication. Yeah, I say all the time, hearing is a sense, listening is an art. Those are uh, those are kind of words that we use around our company to describe the culture that we uh, that we aspire to 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 uh, to continue to build and maintain. Do you think some problem with leadership that maybe that they weren't ready for that role so they were kind of like pushed into the role but they weren't ready for it? You think that's part of the problem with some of the leaders today? Of course. I think I think most leaders are not ready for it, especially in their first go around, right? I, I think most people think this uh think there's um again, not to keep leaning on on John Maxwell, but I love he says there's no two consecutive great days in the life of a leader and uh, and most of us want to get to leadership so that we because we expect there to be a whole series of great days the truth is that's not that's not often the way it is my most vivid example i've ever read from john maxwell and you're going to know where i'm going with this he says if you want to know how irreplaceable you are he says get a bucket of water put your hand in the bucket of water then pull your arm out the hole that's left is how much you're going to be missed and I'm sure you're familiar with that story. The point is nobody is irreplaceable. Now, if you, I I guess if you're the solopreneur and you're it and then you're gone, I guess maybe that will be the one asterisk next to that. But for the most part, we've got to get out of this attitude and this mindset to think that we are the company, nothing matters but me, because the most successful companies, uh, leaders are very empathetic, they're very open, and they care about their employees. And as I, I'm 53 years young, and when I look, when I first started working many years ago, the leadership then and today, light years different. Yeah, well, I, culture is a lot light years different. I think uh, treatment of, of employees, of women, of, of people of different cultures, all those things are light years different in the work place. And I think that's the 
that's the key to leadership is the willingness and to adapt and embrace the, those changes. What would you say to an employee of a leader who is not really empathetic, but really likes their job? Maybe they love their job, but they're not feeling appreciated. Do you think that they should go have a conversation with this leader or do you think they should just listen to their intuition and they think it's a, it's a dead end just to go look for a job elsewhere where they're going to be appreciated? I don't know. I'm a big fan, especially if you like where you work. I mean, it's hard enough to like where you work. If you like where you work, I'm a big fan of you trying to figure out how to make that, how to, how to stay where you are. And so I, I guess my advice would be if that were true, if you like where you work and there is, uh, there are things that could be done or might be done to make it better. Go, go figure out how to act on those things and make it better. And, and if it's, I, I, you know, I, I would go have that conversation. I wonder how many people listening to our conversation today are thinking, I wish my company would institute the one jerk rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad part is that you, you might, you might be seen as one of the jerks. Be careful. Right? <laughs> yeah. I often heard of if, if you, who's the jerk, if you look to the right and they're not the jerk, if you look to the left, they're not a jerk. You're probably the jerk. Exactly what you just right. said. So any other uh, productivity hacks that you do on a regular basis to keep you on task other than the one you mentioned to us? Well, I think the other one is I, um, I'm a voracious note taker. I'm, I'm always kind of cribbing ideas and kind of putting them away. And so I'm a big believer that you kind of have to have a place that things can be, can come from your mind and end up in. I'm a guy that uses notepads. Like I, I love notepads, right? You know, so I'm old school, but there are people who use OneNote or use other stuff. But the ability to kind of keep some central place where your where what your where where your mind, your imagination, your 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 visions for things can be found at at a moment's notice or with a quick the quick look is really important because too often we have these amazing ideas and if we don't put them someplace the the idea often leaves us and then we're stuck you know. We're stuck wondering. So I'm a big believer in just kind of always having some place where, where I can, I, I'm always trying, I always got something in my pocket ready to write. Well, as the regular listeners of the podcast know, Don, that I always tell them is don't, we got to stop trusting our brains. It's not a question of if, but when you will forget it. And exactly that. You need to put it into an app or put it in a notebook. And I tell people not the back of an old envelope or the back of a used post-it or God forbid, don't tear off the little edge of the, the you know, the corner of the piece of paper because you're going to lose that. Just get it someplace central, like you said, because you will Chances are you're going to forget it because we're all busy and life is going by so fast. If you don't capture that thought, you are going to forget it. So that's a really good reminder to our listener. So anything else that you'd like to share with us and how you stay in task? Or those are two big ones for you. Those are the two big ones. Again, I'm also I'm a real deadline guy. I mean, I love deadlines. I guess it's the journalism in me, right? It's a journalist in me. I, I'm big on when I say I'm going to do something. I also say when you can count on it being done. I, I do... Uh, I'm also a big fan of, of as I get to know people. I'm a sports guy, right? That's what I do. It's what I love. It's my, my, my background. I often learn a little bit about if the people that I'm in relationship with have any kind of a sports affinity. I'm a big fan of putting putting all that in my database so that if the uh, if the Los Angeles Lakers were to win something big or, uh, or, or, or LeBron James makes the decision that he's going to go play there, what I can actually just type in the word Lakers in my database, find all my 
friends that are Lakers fans, and and I can quit pretty quickly hit an email to a bunch of them and just say, hey, congratulations on winning the winning the LeBron sweepstakes. <laughs> and when people see that you're connecting with them over things that matter to them, it just it's a, you're just you're 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 building and developing different levels of trust and relationship uh, that, that that last far longer than our professional opportunities. Well, I live in Houston, Texas, and I thought it would be really cool if LeBron came to the Rockets. But then some people who are much more into basketball than I am, they said, no, that they, you know, the, the chemistry wouldn't be there. I'm like, okay, I, I'm a football guy. I'm not a basketball guy. So he did go to LA. Good for him. He's a very talented person. I only wish that I, that we could have it so LeBron could play Michael Jordan in the finals. I think that would have been very interesting. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, but obviously that's never going to happen. One final thing is Zig Ziglar said something similar to this, that the only difference between a rut and a grave is a rut is a grave with the ends kicked out because you were talking about deadlines. And we got to get deadlines because if you don't have a deadline, it's just a dream. It's not real. But when you put a deadline on it, it becomes real. Yeah. And I do, you know, again, I do a lot of creative ways around making sure that I meet, meet my commitments, meet my deadlines. But 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 again, I'm a big accountability fan and freak. And so I I there's nothing that drives me more crazy than failing to live up to my commitment to you. If I made it, if I said I was going to be here at X, then to not be here at X or to not be, not deliver Y by by Z timeline is a crusher. So. Uh, and so I'm, th- those are ways that, that I work really dil- diligently in my own way. I had Larry Wingen on the show a couple months ago, and he was saying that your word is your word. And he says he's done presentations where he'd be doing a keynote and then he'd say, y'all need to excuse me for a moment. He'd go backstage, puke, and then come back and then finish the presentation. And people said, why don't you just blow in sick? He said, cause I gave my word. My word is my word, and and I that really is the big thing I took from his uh, his interview is that he he's dead serious about his word. I think a lot of people go, well, I'll do Mark's interview unless something else comes up. But like you and Larry, you're saying, no, I committed to be here. I'm going to be here, and I think that's kind of lacking in a lot of aspects of our world today, and that's kind of sad. Oh no, no question. I mean, gosh, I have to tell you what the lack of follow through and commitment on behalf of so many people. Right. This is not just is off the charts. Uh, you know, it's like it, it breaks my heart, frankly. And I'm raising a 10 year old and a nine year old. And I and that is my biggest thing to them. Right. If, if anything you want to do, I want to support you in but anything you want to do. My two favorite words in the in the English language are compete and finish. I love to compete at everything I do. But I believe it is our it is you honor the competition by finishing. I love it. Well, as we come to the end of our time together, Don, I have two questions for you. The first one is I want to make sure that someone who's listening to this podcast conversation today actually does something as a result of all the wisdom you dropped on us today. So what is a simple call to action that the listener can go do today in order to get them moving in the right direction? So a simple call to action that I would offer based on the questions you asked and the conversation we had is that I would challenge everybody listening here to a mat to, to before the day is out, be able to construct a picture of who it is that, that, that our work matters to, right? Who does it matter to? 
and um, and the close and 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 the the closer you can come to actually constructing a picture, whatever that might be, right? Whether it's that young woman standing on the stage saying, "My daddy got to walk me down the aisle this summer," whatever it is, the closer you get, the better you are at feeling that sense of service that comes with uh, being part of something bigger than yourself. There's nothing greater on earth than to be part of something bigger than yourself. Excellent. Excellent. Final question, sir. Where can we find you online? Well, thank you, uh, Mark. I'm big. I I love uh, being part of the uh, online communities in Facebook and LinkedIn. And it's Don Yeager, D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R, Twitter, Instagram. But I'm also I also do a daily quote every day. I'm a big fan of quotes. I find just so much value in single sentences from that I've been collecting them for years and I've and I share one every morning. So if anybody out there is interested in a little bit of little nugget of inspiration, you can come to the website donyeager.com. It's a pretty simple sign up process. To get a quote every morning. Just gives you a little something to start your day. Be honored to be part of that. Awesome. Well, Don, we thank you for your time today. We thank you for all the value you dropped on us. There's so much here. I just implore my listener to just take something that you talked about today and go run with it. Do something today gets you moving in the right direction. So thank you so much for your time today, sir. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review. This helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you. The third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.